Pavel Guard. I'm Andre Gazette. I slept four hours last night. What's up? Let's get this shit. <laughs> Hi, I'm Katrina Davis. <laughs> I am Jordan Lee Williams. And today we're doing the second part of Nikki de Saint Paul. Um, Nikki de Saint Paul. So we're gonna start with a quick recap. Um, Her name almost sounds like something like a like an insult, like something that you would call someone. <laughs> So, well, okay, and also just because we're starting with her full name, her full name at the end it's Catherine Marie Agnes, and then F A L D Saint Fall. So I don't know how you say the other fall, but okay. it's maybe Foul de Saint Fall. I don't know. It's like sounds like a pop star in the eighties, and I'm into it. But damn, yes. So is it Fall or Paul? Fall. They say de Saint Fall. Oh, like it's Saint Fowl, P-H-A-L-L-E, but they say Sampal. So that's why I don't talking. I told you, you just leave out all the letters. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) French words are what I would see at the eye doctor without my glasses, which is just like the biggest, (laughs) most standout letters. And then you pronounce those. Um, (laughs) So in her childhood, she followed back and forth between her family in Paris and her um, violent and abusive parents. She was the queen of Catholic school expulsions. Um, What's up? She fell in love with Harry, but domestication was not bliss. She got in a fight with her husband's lover that led to a mental break in a hospitalization um and then I something want Katrina to do the recaps at the beginning of like lost like bachelor in paradise episodes <laughs> I would love to do that <laughs> and domestic would... bliss was not her bliss like, <laughs> I love it I love everything oh, about this I am full of drama laced puns somewhere inside of me um fantastic <laughs> But, um, oh, I'm glad that you made a joke before I said something sad because I forgot to tell you last week that a week after she was released from the mental hospital, she received a letter from her father that began, I'm sure you remember when you were 11, I tried to make you my mistress. Ah! So, yeah, she was super sexually assaulted by her dad when she was 11. He's trash. She writes about it a lot later. Um, that explains so much. Yep, it truly uh, does fill in a lot of the gaps. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, we're like, girl, her- what are you doing? And you're like, oh, you're trying to deal. No, with and that you know shit. what's really funny is before all of that, I kept trying to just wait because I was trying to wait to say it in this way with the letter and then totally skipped it. I was like, I totally forgot to tell them she was aggressively molested. Um, <laughs> Which is a weird thing to be upset that you didn't tell your friends, but I was. Um, <laughs> How dare you, Katrina? She said, and she wrote, um, her father's assault broke her faith in humankind and the creations would yeah. come to be an outlet for her rage. So she yes. became yeah. an artist in the mental asylum, shacks up with Jean Tigley afterwards, creates her first work shown portrait of my lover with the dart face. Um, and we're back. <laughs> Yeah, and I will say, like, that fills in so many of the blanks around the ways in which she acts towards her partners, towards her kids, towards, like, building a family. And, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I had these kids, but I, I, like, that, 
that fills in and makes because I know last episode I was like, fuck this lady. Yeah. She sucks. But it's more because it was like, we've all been abused. Okay, you're fine. Fucking figure it out. Don't have kids if you don't want to. But that is a different level of like trust and familial relationships. And if something like that happens, you have a a kind of like terror in your heart that that is in your blood and that you will treat your children that way as well. So, and she could have felt that way just from her mom. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but that, that kind of brings it to a different level of like, Oh, this is why you're not connecting with people. This is why you're not connecting with your children. This is why you're not. Well, I'll pose a question. Yeah. I, before I forgot that and I might be different because I already had that in my head, but like, would she have not have just been able to be someone that didn't have that attachment and just be that kind of person? Like, couldn't, could oh, she Oh yeah, just totally. Been- she could have, I guess what I'm saying is it, it, uh, changes my feelings towards her because okay. the people who are like, Oh, I had a rough childhood. Oh, bad things happened to me. And I'm like, that doesn't give you any excuse to be the asshole that you're being like. Okay. And I guess I'm saying even if she had a bad childhood, could she have just been a person that was void of those feelings? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. She could have, even if she wasn't, even if, even if nothing had ever happened to her and she had been like from a loving parent home and, and everything had been sunshine and ponies the whole time, she could still have issues creating those attachments um, it changes the way that I am less thinking angry about with her as her. a mom, right? Yes, yes, yeah, it changes think, that aspect of things for me personally. I think it definitely changes, like especially at that time. It, it, if that was something that happened to you, you can't really talk about that in a way that can help heal it. Like we don't have like the access to like therapy and all of the other things that we have now that's like, hey, what that dude did is fucked up and that's not your fault and you don't have to talk to him. Like I have a relative whose father tried to molest her when she was 16 and she still wanted his approval and mm-hmm. still, you know what I mean? Like that happens feelings, a lot still. The feelings around that are so complicated because you don't necessarily have an outside perspective saying like, hey, you don't have to talk to that person. <laughs> like, Well, especially can- like you're saying about now, if you did have the courage to talk to another woman, even she might be like, oh, yeah, me too. That shit sucks. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Right. The way that we even thought about right. stuff back then, did you could have even had the courage to speak about it and still ended up with no outlet somehow or not something that made you feel validated. Well, my mom growing up, she like told me one of her memories is like she went to her best friend's house and there was like the uncle who would touch you. And so she got a pitchfork and chased this adult man out of the barn when she was like 11. Her and her best friend are like chasing an old man with a pitchfork because the adults around her are just like, well, he's just like the touchy uncle or whatever. And all the kids know to stay away from touchy uncle. You know so what I mean? So now it's on them. Now it's on a bunch yeah. of children to save themselves right. from a freaking predator, which is so, absolutely the way people do All these stuff. girls are like, 
Yeah, you know, touchy uncle. You know how we would chase him. Ah, it's crazy. You know, and you're like, like, why is everyone laughing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, this is really fucked up. Exactly. Anyway, um, and I and I only pose that question, Jordan, because I feel like, um, and I'm not even saying that this is not something that I would also agree with, but like the natural attachment of like motherhood and caring about this thing that you made. And I feel like men and artists, especially were like, well, yeah, it's like already in him to just be this like Kurt Vonnegut kind of dude. Like he fucked up and got somebody pregnant, but we're not surprised that he bailed. And I feel like obviously there's always all these different versions of abuse, especially in the stories we tell, but it's like, there are women that will just be like, yeah, I was a sociopath in the 60s. No one told me these were the roles I was forced into. And then I made tiny people and was like, I don't give a shit about these people. Yeah. And like <laughs> oh, everyone, no, everyone kept telling me I was going to and now they're here and I don't care. Like, I know yeah. it's no, a movie, but a lot of the stuff she said is like stuff that people have said in like Rosemary's Baby and like stuff like that <laughs> where like they got forced into motherhood. And then someone was like, I tried to tell you I didn't like this, but. Yeah. No, no. And that's a completely valid like that is one of those things that I feel like women are talking about more is that mm. this natural maternal instinct. It doesn't yes. always kick in. Like, yes. And I'm sure there's a I name know, for it. But there, that. Yes. That's what I yeah, was. Thinking I know of. women who are like, I felt so much shame because mm. they handed me my baby. And I was just like, cool. Okay. Uh -huh. I don't have and it causes so much shame because like Ooh. in our society, we are just like women love their and I'm babies. sure in and the, the hospital, everyone's watching you like waiting for you to cry and like do all this stuff. And you're just like, got it. Yeah, <laughs> no. And so I just like, underwent a major medical procedure. Thank you so much for my yeah. new responsibility. I love the idea of a new mom looking down and having that moment and then just looking up and going, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, that is also a natural response. There is mm. the, there is the response of like my whole heart doubled in size. And, and now I just, yes. I know my purpose and this was exactly what I have wanted. And this was everything that I could have ever hoped for in this tiny little seven pound bundle. And there are women who are like, yeah, I, I felt shame and I felt like they would take mm. the kid from me. Like I loved it, but it wasn't mm. this life changing, magical yeah. thing. It was just like, I just went through the hardest thing in my life. Uh. Now I have this thing that won't stop screaming. <laughs> I don't want to kill it, but like, I also am scared they're going to take it if I'm not like, this is perfect. Everything's mm -hmm. great. It's so wonderful. Like, yeah. And because, and that causes, like, there are a lot of things where, you know, that's not always a sign of postpartum depression, but some doctors will be like, oh, you don't immediately, you're not immediately obsessed with this, this baby. That's, you have serious I started, issues. I started thinking about postpartum as you were talking, because that was yeah. one yeah. thing that my mom talked about with hers was like, she was like, I was really, really sad, but also I remember coming home and you being upstairs and just being like, there's a fucking baby in here and just being so <laughs> panicked I was so panicked that there was just yeah. like 
they just sent me home with this tiny person. And she was like, yeah. I was really sad, but I was also just terrified. Yeah. Um, no. And that is also like, that's a very real thing as well. I, I have friends who suffered from postpartum depression. Uh-huh. couldn't pick their babies up. Uh-huh. Like they were so terrified of anything happening to them. And it's, it's, I don't know. Shit gets weird. Like my mom, yeah. you know, my, my sister, um, passed away and my mom I don't think ever really truly recovered so then when I was born um I stopped breathing as well like because my sister it was um it was like 16 hours after she was born oh wow stopped breathing and the the hospital didn't find I'm so sorry going on that's um and so when I was born, though, I also stopped breathing like 12 hours after I was born. And I don't think my mom ever fully recovered from that either because she almost lost me the exact same way that she lost yeah. my sister. Yeah. That's so, so it scary. does get it does complicate those relationships and it does kind of change the way that you experience having a baby and as the mom like to have something like that happen you have to have such a support system for you to not freak out and blame yourself sometimes and stuff like that it's like you made these people you know what I mean like I can't imagine what kind of like attachment and responsibility you have to like them surviving but you know who doesn't have that fucking Nikki Nikki. so (laughs) Um, I was gonna say it's especially 19... around this time too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in 1971, after um, 10 years of intense artistic collaboration and intermittent cohabitation, Tigley and Saint Paul get married. Two years later, they separated. Yeah. Um, but they were. The fuck, dude. They were together. <laughs> living like they lived together like as soon as they moved in apparently and this is more from one of the documentaries i watched and the granddaughter that was just like little and around and watching all these crazy art adults live their lives was like they moved in together but also between projects and girlfriends and all this stuff they weren't ever as together as you know what I mean? They were before. (laughs) And then they got married and like fully separated, but like it could have been more backwards. Um, Like they basically were like, and I think either she wrote it or the granddaughter said it, that basically they almost got married at like the end. Like they were the the most romantic part of their relationship was over. And then they decided to get married. Um, but there's also talk that it was for tax reasons and for citizenship reasons. So she could stay Mm. in Sweden. So they talk about it being other reasons that they'd even decided to get married. Were her kids with her at that time? No, her kids live with Harry and she will go back and visit them. And he buys paintings as like a way to give her money sometimes when she needs it. Alimony. Yeah. Yeah. But she straight up visits her kids and when they get older, the daughter talks about visiting her, but I did not see anything where the son really spoke. The daughter speaks a lot more in her adulthood, but I don't have anything from the son. That doesn't mean mm. that they're like a stranger or anything, but like I don't really know where he is. Um, yeah. And you do keep mentioning grandkids. So how old are her kids at this point? 
they're having kids, kids as well? Or... No, this is like a girl who was very young in the documentaries, just talking about things that she saw, talking okay. about like being with her grandpa and talking also later about um, later in his life, like what it was like being without her and things more that she saw once she leaves, things like that. Okay. Um, but, uh, like she talks about being around the um, nanas as she was building them later and how much she loved them and how big they seemed to her. So also she was still, I think, small. But um, okay. But they, as artists, um, Nikki and John really had a symbiotic relationship. I think that she was just someone fun and inspiring to be around, I think is a new artist to him. And I think that he did a lot for her confidence. Um, she was worried about her inability to draw in perspective at one point, And he told her technique is nothing. Dreams are everything. Ooh. I still can't draw in perspective. So I really appreciate that <laughs> advice. I read that and also appreciated that. Cause that is not my thing. I go to figure yeah. drawing shit gets weird. Um, so in so now I'm going to go back a little bit back a little bit in terms of like just them being together for that 10 tumultuous years and some of the art she made during it. So she created a series in the early 60s called Tears Tears or Shootings or Shots. Oh. Um the series began as target pictures with painted bullseye targets prominently displayed. So this is like a continuation of her series of that shirt target that she did. Essentially. Yes. So they start as targets. Then soon the targets go away and she just starts filling. Um, like she fills like packets of paint covers them with plaster and then attacks the canvas. So she told a Jean that she wanted the canvas to bleed. She would fire assemblages of knives, scissors, egg beaters, baby doll arms, um, anything <laughs> she could find that kind of represented domestication, embedded it in plaster along with bags of paint and occasional tomatoes. When the bullets hit, the art would bleed. Um, she would invite viewers to throw darts at the dart boards and embed it. Um, and that was more like you're saying a, uh, a collection. The dartboard still had figurative faces at the top of the assemblages. Oh, and the targets were painted by her friend Jasper Johns. Oh, okay. That's pretty yeah. cool, actually. Okay. So... That's very cool. Yeah, Jasper Johns is like a, uh, a post-war kind of... He pops up a lot. He was her boy. Um, yeah. Super fast, can I mention that Jasper Johns painted with beeswax, which I think is very cool. And I've done some of that stuff, and it's it's, and caustic. it's fun. Mm -hmm. Jasper John's fun fact: What is it like? Is it super thick? Well, you it, it's all melted, and so then yeah, you, you use like, a hot pot on a hot yeah. plate. Ah, and you oh, layer. so it's like dab paint. Mm -hmm. Got you, it. You you can dip your brush in the pot of the wax, and you have the different pots mixed with the different oil, so you can add oil color to them. And then you can just use your brush and brush with it. You can create some really cool textures. I've done it as well. It's like very satisfying. Wait, is the beeswax colored or is it not colored? Yeah. You, you add oh, to way. it. Oh. I'm into So this. if you if you use if you do encaustic, if you kind of like paint beeswax over a painting that you've already done, it almost looks like skin. 
Like it yeah. becomes this like film over the surface ah. and you can like use the brush to create these like wounds and stuff. So- like you can create this like interesting sort of texture with it and create yeah. layers. It can be really beautiful. That sounds like yeah. something she would also like as anything carcassy possibly. Yeah, for absolutely. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's try this again. Uh, she said, uh, quote, I had a big rage in myself. I would have probably been in prison or still in a psychiatric hospital if it hadn't been the um, art that helped me get out of all of my very deeply aggressive feeling towards my parents and society. Same, At the girl. time... Fair. <laughs> Uh, at the time of her first her series, France was in a moment of br- brutal flux as the Algerian war raged on. Terrorists terror oh, set wow. off bombs throughout Paris. Um, French police killed dozens of protesters demonstrating on behalf of the Algerian National Liberation Front, shooting some on the spot and drowning others in the Seine. Is that how you say that? Fuck. Sad river? Yeah. Um, the sad river. <laughs> corpses washed up on the riverbanks for weeks afterwards. During this period, the newscaster David Brinkley did a segment on Sunfall about her pieces. So this is a quote from that newscast. Nothing can be as beautiful to me as when the shooting takes place and all the bags burst, she exclaimed. I mean, it isn't as beautiful as war. It isn't as beautiful as seeing someone killed or the atom bomb. But it's, just, but it's the most I can do. Girl. Uh, I think that <laughs> I was deaf. Being... I'm sorry. We've we've gone full circle back to tone deaf. <laughs> well, I can't tell. And I was looking for a actual recording of this because I can't tell how, how sarcastic it's supposed to be because they went back to Brinkley and he said, Soberly to American viewers, the artists say they are only mirroring the time that they live in. Okay. So I don't know Mm. if that's her being like, what? You guys look at the rest of this stuff. I'm just making a pretty version of it and being like that sarcastic to be like, how could you say this? And her be like, yeah, Yeah. look what's happening behind me. Yeah. But I I mean, the way that you delivered it, though, I I was like, oh, I know. I did that on purpose. Um, Because uh, I think that that's the because that's why I tried to find a recording of it because in my head that's the way it was. You read it, but, yeah, yeah. But uh, so her first stage public shooting event was in February of 1961. It was attended by Jean Tigley, uh, Pierre Rastani, a bunch of other cool artists that I don't know. Her early art performance events took place in this trash-strewn back alley in Paris. Um, but always <laughs> that was my first gallery showing as well, <laughs> but always with her in these amazing white coveralls. And then also please remember that she's literally a cover girl. So she said, if I had been ugly, they would have oh. said it. She said, if I had been ugly, they would have said I had a complex and not paid any attention. Like That's she's so fully, fascinating. <laughs> she fully is like, yeah, I was a hot girl shooting stuff. Like it is. And it honestly, all of the pictures, barely any pictures of the art being made. Like all of the pictures of the gallery are close-ups of a beautiful woman in winged eyeliner holding a rifle. That's clearly all they care about. Um, Yeah. There are definitely, there are some, you know, artists that almost like fall in that place of like performance, but it is very much about the performance of it, the beauty of the artist, the sort of like, chaos of the performance that they're creating i'm thinking of this one artist out of china specifically every time she does this like super messy painting she ruins a brand new 
like outfit like she uh-huh. gets paint all over it and every time oh, I, I see it I'm like videos how can you afford to do this like mm-hmm. how <laughs> you are literally wasting so much material she like throws you know she'll like light stuff on fire she'll throw her thing and it's like it's beautiful it is fascinating to watch but from like a like a practical standpoint I'm like how can you do this uh-huh um so she everything that you're saying is exactly what's about to happen, Andrea. She starts staging these happenings. Mm-hmm. Um, colleagues can come pull the trigger. She organized indoor events at art galleries where she would invite visitors to shoot a twenty-two. Um, oh, have you guys ever shot guns before? Yeah. No, but I'm gonna because my house is full of them now. My parents have so many guns. Oh, really? It is <laughs> yes. so satisfying. Like even the most like I'm, oh, I, I haven't myself. shot one as an adult. I've only shot okay. like what? summer camp, <laughs> like summer camp at a you know what I mean at a Target. Oh, like a BB gun? Yeah, or yeah, like yeah. An, okay. Oh, okay. No, I was gonna say because no, like a little you baby one. you are from Florida, so oh, yeah. it is yeah. kind of like a 50-50 oh, chance that they I were mean, giving the summer camp kids, you know. Hey, if 10 we would have got there at seven, yeah, if we would have got there at seven a.m., we probably would have taken the class, but the bus was late, so <laughs> I got a BB gun. Katrina's stringing up gators over there now. <laughs> you got to get them right between the eyes. I don't fuck with gators like that. I let them sleep no. in the sun. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so she starts doing these happenings. Cool, like, um, celebrities start hearing about it. Jane Fonda comes to one. It's a whole thing. Um. I think anytime you can dress up and shoot guns, and you know what I mean? Like, there is... It is such a powerful feeling. And I imagine yes. if you're a woman, especially at this time, and you are seeking those feelings of control, power, liberation, it is a symbolic and powerful feeling to shoot a yes. gun and then make a party about it. Like, well, yes. And everything she's saying about wanting to see something bleed, I totally yeah. can get. I get yeah. wanting to fire a gun and watch like they're in one of the documentaries. They have a lot of close ups of like basically paint reenactments of just it like <laughs> spilling down. And it's like, yeah, dude, I'm on board. Like it looks satisfying even like in a up close of like watching yeah. paint run like that that um and also in 61 um Senfal and Tigli were introduced to Salvador Dali who invited them to create a life-size exploding bull with fireworks um in his homage Dali which was wheeled out after the end of a traditional Spanish bullfight in Catalonia Spain and exploded in front of the audience that was just something. <laughs> this is just rich people having Fun. a cool party. Like it yeah. really yeah. is in between art and just like a cool party. She does a lot of cool rich party stuff. Like I took some of them out just for time, but she makes like several ridiculous playgrounds. There's slot like she's made more slides that are the a monster's tongue than anyone else. She makes oh, things hell that are yeah. technically terrifying, but they're brightly colored and kids are like, yay, seven hit a demon. And they just play on it. And like all of the slides are tongues. It's cool. So she's like the pre bouncy castle artist of note. Kind of. She's like a bright Tim Burton. Some of the stuff she makes <laughs> for kids. I love like, it. That's awesome. Yeah. So she does some more assemblages. She makes a giant King Kong. Um, in 63, she has this huge assemblages that assemblage 
assemblage, good God, that makes a big stir because of how political it is. Um, King Kong is a part of it. There's one particular part that has JFK, Fidel Castro, Charles de Gaulle, Santa Claus, and Donald Duck all in a row, and they're all bleeding. Like, there's... There's like, it's okay. awesome. There's, but that's the thing is like, you look at it, it's this giant, all white, like post apocalyptic looking thing. And then people started really looking at it and getting pissed off. It was kind of like, oh, look oh. at her and her assemblages. And then they were like, wait, what the fuck? You can't put JFK getting shot in there. Mm, foreshadowing. Mm. But like, there was like some wait, gnarly stuff in there. She did it before he actually got shot? Yep. This was in 63. Yep. And people were freaking out. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So, so she starts. Can, can she do one of Trump getting shot? <laughs> Call her back. Get her, get her over here. We got some more paper mache foreshadowing for you to do. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't do that. You. It'll be like the monkey's paw and it won't come out how we think it will. Um, <laughs> Have you guys so, seen the Kennedy brothers salt and pepper shakers? No. Where does the salt and pepper come out of? Where they got shot. <laughs> no. Of course that's where it comes out of. What do you mean? No. I hate I it so them. much. That is so upsetting. My that dad is- has been on the hunt for that set for a very Terrifying. long time. Jackie is the butter dish. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> as the, so Actually, I think that's Marilyn Monroe, right? Stop! Oh. No, you leave her out of this. They may have killed her. Um, yeah, I think they did. I super we think just, they did. We just go full conspiracy podcast mid midway through this episode. Um, okay, guys. So, so the Earth is flat, actually, um, because it's shaped like a palette. So <laughs> it's it's shaped like Mickey Dayson Falls' um, amazing park. It's all flat. Um, so as this, so as she continues working in these kind of 3d forms she switches from polyurethane foam and composite composite uh fiberglass mm. um oh no no no! this is what she's using at this point but later she's going to switch to something else so right now she's using polyurethane foam and composite fiberglass reinforced polyester plastic also known as frp or grp decorated with multiple bright colored acrylic or polyester paints I'm gonna go ahead and just real quick with my with my brain here. I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, guess that she might die kind of early because at this time, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever worked with fiberglass or resin. It's super Not dangerous. Fun. You need to have a mask. You need to be wearing a hazmat suit. Fiberglass gets fucking everywhere. It is a very dangerous material. You shouldn't be breathing it in. And it can essentially cause, um, I forget what it's called, but silicosis, where you get like scarring in your lungs. Right, from because, all the little cuts. Yeah, mm-hmm. from all the little cuts. Because fiberglass is essentially like glass. Mm. I mean, it's yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. So this is just, this is my little. It's uh, not cotton candy, later. folks. No, and it's not. This is Andrea's and- uh, paper mache project of nikki and, de saint falls like yeah i was about to say and guess what nikki definitely does not wear any kind of hazard material exactly well, you're just how like are people gonna take pictures sculpting fiberglass like it's not gonna be good <laughs> she's got like yeah how am i supposed to wear a mask i have a cigarette hanging out of my mouth um 
So in, um, from 63 to 64, she creates a series of sculptures protesting stereotypical societal roles for women, um, mm. making child bearers, devouring mothers, witches, and prostitutes. Some of them, or sex workers, sorry. Some of her early artworks from... Um, oh, this is also when she creates those ones I sent you at the end of last week, the bride, uh, ghostly oh. skeletal brides dressed in white, which have been compared to Miss Havisham. Does that ring a Ms. bell? Miss Havisham. Yeah. yeah. From, uh, to the Charles expectations. Dickens. Yep. There we go. Okay. If you're so not that's familiar so- with the story, she's a crazy old woman who lives in a mansion and uh-huh. who the character, main character Pip as a young boy believes is sort of like giving him money to further his education. Uh-huh. Uh, and she's a crazy old lady whose husband left her at the altar. And so she just like wears her wedding dress around this mansion. And oh, it's shit. So she's like a, a live ghost, essentially, who just haunts her own mansion. <laughs> wow. Oh, life. me too. <laughs> that's sick. Yeah. So that's the story of Miss Havisham. In a oh, nutshell. man. Also, I know I keep interrupting. No, you're fine. But. They make doors out of fiberglass still, and sometimes you have to cut doors to fit specific frames because you can just buy a door, whatever. Um, So I have just cut fiberglass doors with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth because, like... That's how my dad does it. And so I was just like, yeah, we're just we're just cutting these doors. Come I smoke ready to go. Once so it's Jordan, encased in resin, it's not as dangerous because the particles aren't, you know, it's still, you still are creating dust. And it's uh, yeah, that's bad, what I was thinking. Yeah. It's not as bad as when you're, when you form it is when it's so, the most dangerous. So Jordan's, ju- Jordan's lungs are just a little scarred. Um, yeah. They're, they're mostly so, plastic. It's fine. <laughs> that's true, honestly, for all of us. Uh, over time, these figures became more joyful, whimsical, colorful, and larger in scale. Um, she started collaborating with American artist Larry Rivers and was inspired by his pregnant uh, wife, Clarice Price, who she was also friends with, to portray these archetypal female figurines with a more optimistic view of the position of women in society. Gwendolyn mm. was the first major sculpture that would become a lifetime series of St. Paul's works. The large scale piece was huge, a huge hollow Nana called Han or she in Swedish who lay with her legs spread at a museum in Stockholm where visitors lined up to enter through her door sized vagina inside the, <laughs> it, inside they found a 12 seat cinema with an arm, a milk bar inside the breast and a brain built by Tigley with moving mechanical parts. It is so sick. I do have to say this sounds like a yo mama joke that just got out of hand. Well, no, you know, what's really funny (laughs) is that on the inside of her leg, I have it somewhere. I might've deleted it just because I had so much information, but like on the inside of her (gasps) thigh, as you're walking, it's like, um, it says in a very beautiful, elegant way, like shame to any who would, like defy this entrance basically like if you're gonna fucking talk shit about walking into a snatch right now shame on you because it's the beginning of all life and this shit is amazing and i was like she immediately at the entrance is like oh you're gonna make jokes about how you're walking into a fucking vagina because this is the creation of everything and he kind of like shuts that down from jump 
when you first described it, I assume because of the other sculptures that we looked at that were all white and all in plaster, I thought no. it was going to be all white. And it's this so is color, colorful. baby. This is when we get into the color. This is when the nanas get fun. Between her pregnant friend and her dancing daughter when she first got out of the, um, the clinic, those seem to be like the two standout examples of women in uh, joy that she kind yeah. of takes with her to celebrate like the other side of the rage and everything else that is still present, but you know, come, I feel it like it sounds yeah. like she's coming to terms with motherhood and her own womanhood in a different way by being able to experience it through other people and not yes. necessarily just her own experience. So that actually sounds like pretty healing and very interesting. And it, everything that you just said transfers to other people. So by 65, mm. she was calling them nanas, which is roughly equivalent to broad or chick in French slang. Um, <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, she uh, celebrates them, the round female form with large breasts, butts, um, splayed limbs, joyous dance postures, and often black skin, which I thought of her... Um, caretaker when she was younger that she was close to growing up uh mm -hmm. she said i think i made them so large so that man would look very small next to them hell yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. i thought you'd like that i thought you'd like that uh a form yeah. that would and then a curator for the space now says uh, a form that would tower over men women expressing their power their freedom and their joy they make us smile That's um awesome yeah she would make a book to go along with the show that would have, which made me think of you, Andrea, that would have Aww. silk screens, prints, posters, books, and writings that went along with all the nanas. In uh, years to come, she would publish multiple hand-lettered books profusely uh, illustrated with colorful drawings and diagrams. She does one about the abuse of her father that mm. um, is like, same like you're saying, Andrea seems gnarly, but also really healing because she just puts him all the way the fuck out there. Um, yeah. She builds a giant cathedral with rebar and chicken wire with Tigley that ends up being 30 feet and more than 13,000 pounds. Her um, father is dead by this point too, right? Yes, I think at this point point he is so there's like um, a safety in being able to express freely what happened to you and take ownership in a different way because the person that caused that harm is no longer present and right can't, and you know what i mean like that's true and i don't have, have distance it, from that and absolute like they touch on it a little but they definitely touch a little on what you said earlier andrea about like her being very angry but as a child maybe not necessarily immediately being upset like she was mm -hmm. not not around him you know what I mean and, and you're then too I little to like process when when it happens that young you're like oh this is normal you know what I mean like you know it's bad or you don't yes. like it but you yes. don't know how to express like you don't even have the language oh, to express what yes happening. and that was what she wrote about one of the excerpts from the book was like I had so much rage and pleasure and all of this things happening at the same time that I just resented that it was like something that happened to me but also it, I don't know yeah. the timeline but both of her siblings um ended their own lives so she oh, may God. be totally she may be like the last one left not the last some fall because they're this super rich French family but the last one that like came to America and is like 
we were rich, but like, this is what my father did to us kind of thing. Yeah. Even if she's speaking about what happened to her brother or her, you know. So she like survived. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. She in the giant Nana, she lived in it for a little while, which also seems healing. She like made a house for herself in the breast. And was just like, yeah, I lived in the breast for a little while. That was one of my dreams was to like make a giant woman and live in her breast. Um, Paul, (laughs) was it Pollock? I think it's, it's not Pollock. Is that what the last photo is that you sent us? Is that her in her breast studio? That's the main part. That's the main part. Yes. Like I would be jealous of that as just my studio space anyway, without knowing that it's a woman's ditty. Like, yep. That's the tarot garden house. Yeah. That's amazing. So, I like her, the chair. Oh, there's so much stuff in this in. picture that looks amazing. Oh, because actually, no, that's not the breast. That's the tarot gardens that big, that's bigger. The one right before at the Han where you see all those people walking in. Yeah. That's the one that I okay. was just talking. Or so actually, she just no, like lived in a one. gallery for a while? No, actually, that might be another one. But the tarot, the one that she's in is the garden house that's way bigger. Hmm. But she did also live in a breast. But I don't think Damn. that tarot garden house one is the breast because it's too big. But mm-hmm. she did that live in the while they were building the one that people are walking into while they were building that. She lived inside of it for a little while. Um, and get it, girl. And so yeah. did someone else. Someone it. I want to say it was either Jasper or someone else. Another famous artist like lived in it for a little while and then she let him paint a collage. Oh, Keith Haring. That's who it was. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Keith Haring lived inside of Nana for a little while too. I um. I need to look something up really quick because I can't remember if it's true or if it was a rumor. Mm. Um. Oh, but okay. I think so, that this girl has a lot of gay best friends. Oh, she. I wouldn't yeah, put it past Jasper her because of, I wouldn't put Jasper it past Jones her because of some was, stuff that I'm gonna say later. That totally lines up. Um, okay, well, because so, Jasper Johns was a gay artist, and okay. Keith Haring also a gay artist. Uh huh. So yeah, this is her crew and you'll see some more of that later in her work in some lesser known people that she works with actually. So right on time with what Andrea foreshadowed earlier in 67, she began working with a polyester resin, a material which would be shaped easily, but transformed. And in 68, she disclosed that she had developed respiratory problems from exposure to dust fumes um, from her work. Yeah. Saw that one fucking coming. <laughs> yeah. So she also at this point starts trying to get more money for she starts liking working in these larger scales and she's like, I need money. So she starts making nanas in different forms to sell. She makes giant inflatable nanas as pool toys. Um <laughs> Okay, that's <laughs> fucking cool. I what? love that so much. Can you can you go in them? Oh, I bet you can't go in. I bet you can just lay on top of them. But it would okay. be amazing if you could go in a nana in a pool. Or I don't like know though because I don't castle. have any pictures. You I'm could. thinking like bouncy castle vagina. Like yes. I'm thinking like like you literally go fuck around in a womb. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I did not think of it that way. That sounds way more fun than what I was imagining. Um, okay. But people start giving her shit for selling out, basically. Um, and yeah, how dare artists try to actually make a living instead of just being weirdly rich? Well, and- exactly. She talks about um, with one of her friends, basically like resenting it and being like, they were like, "Oh, why are you selling these?" And she was like, "To be a millionaire, so that I can make my own art." on my own timeline and um she resented that um oh here we go uh she basically oh she made she also sold jewelry perfume glass porcelain figurines furniture and craft items many with the nana theme uh she framed this through her feminist initiative um quote to be my own benefactor had many advantages I didn't have to cater to patrons. I could work at my pace in my way, which wasn't always logical. Um, she admitted being bi- uh, envious of Gaudi, who had a dupe to support his work. Is that? Am I saying that right? Do you know who I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically she's like, yeah, these other people are funded in these ways where they don't have to do what I'm doing, but like I'm selling all of this stuff so that I can not have to worry about anybody else, um, yeah. which I totally get. So in 69, she made the Cyclops, which I also have a picture of. It's like this giant, horrifying looking metal figure. It's like you're scared, but also intrigued by it. 15 different people worked on the project, which would not be finished until 94. So she has like three projects that take decades to finish. Um, In 69, uh, in an interview in her studio, she shared views about her um, place of women in politics and said, I think women could administer this world much better. If black power and women power would get together, they would take over everything. That's the solution. A new world of joy. Um, in wow, 71. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she is absolutely correct. And I think about that a lot of the time. So <laughs> still today, I'm like, if, if all the white women who voted for Trump would just stop like I think we could have figured some shit out. Well, there's, I think about that with a lot of stuff and it's like, uh, they figured that out ahead of the game and instilled all of the things that separate us. Like you can absolutely read stuff from the 1800s that they're like, Hey, if poor white people and black people talk, they get way too many ideas. Don't put yep. them together. Like yep. make them think our, they're our friends. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. So I agree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is the official stance of Pod Vanguard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the early 70s, she makes a couple more playgrounds. Um, she makes uh the Le Dragon uh 24, a 21 foot high structure. Uh, the fantastical building would eventually include a kitchen, a bathroom, a toilet, a heating system, a bedroom, and an estimated cost of thirty to forty thousand dollars. This um, is like my dream. I would love to be able to make just giant fucking sculptures that you live in. Like she, that sounds so awesome. She does so many cool things. She designed a Formula One race car for uh, Jackie Inks. Um, <laughs> in a oh in eighty seven, Keith Haring lived in La Dragon. That's where Keith Haring lived. Okay, that's super um, cool. And though. he painted a fresco on the stairwell. I love um, it. I, she felt same felt said. I've always had a dream of doing architectural things. It started with my sculptures getting bigger and bigger. Um, yeah. 
In 74, she became ill with a pulmonary lung abscess from her work with the polyester and was hospitalized. She recuperated in Switzerland and was brought to Tuscany in 77 by her friend who she wrote that letter to before about um, wanting to fund all of her own stuff. How old is she at this time? It's 77. So she's... What year was she born? 50? Was she born in 30. She's only 30. No, no, no. She was born in 30, and this is 77. So she's. Oh, wow. So she's 47. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me see. <laughs> how many art majors does it take to do the math on how old someone is? Yo, I am not the one. <laughs> truly. <laughs> we all went We all went quiet for I mean, that's a minute there. You asked, and I was like, look, this is the year I'm at now. You can do whatever <laughs> you want with that information. Um, my art school would not accept, accept my AP calculus credit. They're like, what do you need this for? Get out of here. <laughs> like, not even it's like an extra credit. <laughs> That's so funny. So she gets sick. She's hanging out with her friend. Her friend had since married the president of Fiat and sailed the Mediterranean on their yacht with Capote and the, and the Kennedys. So her friend that she's, you know, getting better with is freaking mad connected. She was also a member of the Caracio fan, uh, Caraccio, um, Caracciolo? There we go. Caracciolo family. <laughs> Is that the, a crime family? No, they're one of the oldest Neapolitan dynasties. So oh. she has two crazy ass rich brothers that would basically fund. Wait, um, are they strawberry chocolate or vanilla? Which brothers? Which? <laughs> I think this is the vanilla and the strawberry brother and the sister's okay. chocolate. Okay. Um, <laughs> Cause it's also Neapolitan, not Neapolitan, but okay. I'm going with it. Um, so the brothers are like, yeah, your friend's cool as fuck and give them a sizable piece of their property. The sister uh, basically recalls she conquered all of the men in my family. They just kept on saying yes. So she's sick. Her friend's like, hey, my brothers might be able to help you when she's better and gets out of the hospital in Sweden. She goes to meet her brothers and they're so enamored with her that they're like, take whatever you want. So this is the land that she will build tarot gardens on. The thing that the big, massive thing that you saw her in. If you're a listener and you're very, very wealthy, consider giving one or all of us your money so that we can do cool shit because this is literally my dream (laughs) i just want like i just want a wealthy benefactor well and it's great here's the thing for her to not be a trained artist at all a classically trained artist at all and be like hey i basically saw a man's version of this and i don't know if i used that quote yet but she basically was like i saw his art and said I wanted to create a woman's version of this world. I wanted to create a massive world that looked like what I saw and loved in his work. So in 1980, her team began to build the first architectural sculptures in what would be the tarot garden. She invited artists from Argentina, Scotland, Holland, and France. Um, Over time, she would work with dozens of people. She learned Italian so that she could communicate with the people she had working with her better. Um, She said... um, 
an author of a book said these women were from very simple backgrounds and started just suddenly working for her and became a part of this project. They started walking differently, wearing different clothes. There was a girl that came in with her family because she needed a job and everyone expected her to get married soon. I remember seeing her start to wear jeans and makeup and cut her hair really short. You could see her flowering. So even the fact that she was doing this project in this space and bringing other people into it because of the sheer scale of it, she was changing the way other other women and artists felt. Um, yeah. There was a 50-year-old uh, crew member named Ugo Coletti, who was also the postal delivery man for the town, but he loved mosaic so much that people started not getting their mail because he was Aww. working so much in the garden. <laughs> That he was just not delivering mail. He would work on the project for 36 years and recruit his nephews to join in. Some family members are still involved with maintaining the site. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. So the tarot garden is made of steel, iron, cement, polyester, ceramic, mosaic, glass mirrors, and polished stones that Nikki called M&M's. To withstand the weather, frameworks were made of welded steel rebar and covered with a second layer of lighter gauge steel reinforcement bars um, and two layers of expanded metal that were then spayed with shotcrete. It's uh, like the spray concrete. Yeah. And then it's like textured. Yes. And then a layer of tar for waterproofing and a finer layer of white cement produced a sturdy hollow structure ready for decoration. Wow. Um, Ooh, uh, so there, this is, there is also, also I'm trash. That was where the small apartment is from 83 (laughs) to 88 on site. She lived in a small apartment built into the Empress, a house size Sphinx like sculpture in the garden. So it's a woman, but she has a blue head. So the lady that's that's laid back, you don't see her face. The thing she lived in, it's like, it looks like a Sphinx ish, but not really just like, it's this big blue headed thing. That's the titty she lived in. Yes, that's the titty oh, that she makes lived so in. So much sense because yeah. you would because the Sphinx is sitting, you would actually get a look out. Like there would be windows yes, and stuff. Exactly. So that on the second so level sense. of her bedroom, inside one breast was the kitchen and the uh, and the bedroom was in the other one. And the two second rooms had single res- Yes, they had two single recessed circular windows <laughs> appearing as inverted nipples. That's exactly yeah. where it was. You're right, Andrea. Yeah. And two story titties, you know. Um, in 2000, oh, she- dude, I got those. <laughs> We're gonna Thanks. call Jordan the Sphinx from now on, and no one will know why. Oh my god, um, it's so funny. In well, it's because two- I'm always asking riddles. <laughs> In 2000, she would recall, at last, my lifelong wish was to live inside a sculpture um, was going to be granted, a space entirely made of undulating curves. I wanted to invent a new mother, a mother goddess, and be reborn within its form, which, holy, like, therapy, Batman, if you're going to (laughs) literally make a new mom because your mom used to make your brother eat barf and live inside of her and then be reborn like yeah that's the end (laughs) the end of this episode should just end with one of those ads for if you or someone you know has been affected by mesothelioma (laughs) like yo my gosh (laughs) that is she's just living this toxic ass house if if pavangard has a second (laughs) <laughs> saying it's wear a mask when you're working with <laughs> please wear a mask dangerous art materials 
If you're fusing glass, if you're using fiberglass, if you are sanding anything, please wear a respirator and make sure that the cartridges you use are specific to either dust, if you're creating dust, or airborne uh, like fumes. You need a different respirator cartridge. Uh, DM me if you have questions. Legitimately, please don't die if you're working with these materials. Thank you. I love you. Perfect. Also, if you are doing any kind of woodworking, eye protection. I don't give a shit if you don't wear glasses. (laughs) Fucking cover your eyes regardless of what you're doing. I have saved my eyes so many times just by wearing my glasses when I work. I used to make keys also. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If you've ever watched metal shards fly at your face and think, whoop, glad that (laughs) goggle was there. Um, One of the funniest slash most upsetting things that has ever happened to me is I was in the sculpture lab. I was a sculpture major in college and someone was working after hours in the sculpture lab using an angle grinder on metal. Mm. And I saw them and they didn't have eye protection. I was like, Hey bro, you need eye protection. Like just so you know what you're doing is super dangerous. You should be wearing eye protection. He goes, no, I'm fine. Literally 15 minutes later, I just heard a yelling and then the ambulance came and oh, he got God. metal in his eye. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> so wear eye protection. And here's Andrea just sitting here with all these I told you so's. Yep. Um, you really cannot tell men anything if you're a woman in a physical space. They, for the most part, do not want to listen to you. And it is the funniest thing to just be like, well, I literally just told you so. So <laughs> I'm not trying to be a bummer. I'm just, you know, smart or whatever. It's fine. Um. So the ground floor was uh, contained a large mirror. Okay, so this is where she's sitting with the dining room table. A large mirrored space with a mirrored dining table where she would serve lunch to the workers and artists. She used her motherly role to help reinforce her authority and directing the team of men she needed to help her build her project. Which also makes me laugh because there were multiple people who said similar things like this and it's like the most motherly she ever was was motivated by her knowing her these people work. needed to listen to her to get her vision done exactly yeah it sounds like in some ways she was fulfilling a mother role to bring her art as creation into the world but the art was like a stand-in for her like inner child you know like it is her but as someone who has watched a parent uh be there for other children i'm sure her kids were somewhere being like oh so we just make dinner for people and like care for them now is that what yeah. we're doing yeah because we have family lunches yes because yeah. when my dad used to leave to go hang out with uh young um black boys at church whose fathers were in prison and everyone was like oh what a nice dad like man but i was also like yeah but we could hang out so I'm wondering what her kids are thinking about all of these warm, fuzzy actions that she has towards these workers, but they're not around for it anyway, so it's fine. Um, so she keeps they. This is the main thing that she works on for the rest of her life. In '86, uh, one of her workers, Manon, left to attend a drama school in Paris, but kept a secret from Saint Paul that he had contracted AIDS. The same year, St. Paul collaborated uh, with a German medical professor in immunology and writing and illustrating her book, AIDS, 
you can't catch it holding hands. Um, it was intended for students in middle school or high school and was first published in San Francisco and later translated into five different languages. 70,000 okay. copies were sold or given to medical institutions or schools. The book was considered influential in early efforts to support public health education about the disease. I have a cousin who was adopted as HIV positive because the orphanage that he was at uh, used the same needles for all the kids. And when my aunt tried to send him to Catholic school, uh -huh. none of the other mothers would let their children eat lunch next to him because they thought that they were he was they were going to get AIDS. So oh, she had God. to homeschool him. Oh. So, yeah, just oh. no psychological damage. It was like a really fine time for anyone that was HIV positive. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy now. You'll tell people and they'll be, and they're like, no, nah, it's not a death sentence. People are like, you it's can barely anymore. get people to care if you tell them you have AIDS now. But yeah, this was uh, everything that you were saying earlier, Andrea, about her connections to the gay community and just loving people in it. You can see Absolutely. immediately. Um, HIV now is, it's not a death sentence. You can essentially eradicate it to a point where it's not detectable and not transferable. So it's like you still have it in you, like dormant, but as long as you continue to take your medication, like you can not risk giving it to others. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about some of the structures while we wrap up. So the foundation yeah. of the tarot garden, um, was constituted in 97 and it would attain official jurisdictional status in 2002. I don't know what that means. I guess they're like, Hey, protect this cool thing in our town. Um, oh, yeah. But it's it like was a cultural landmark, essentially. Okay. So it was officially open to the public in May of 98. The completed garden represents the 22 cards of major arcana found in the tarot deck, plus other wow. smaller works. It's um, just under five acres. Wow. In, in uh, Capelbio. The tallest structure is about 49 feet high. Uh, the the Sphinx is mirrored with blue hair and a bright red crown and flowers blooming out of one of her breasts and lavender on the heart, on um, the nipple of the other. Actual the, flowers or paint like sculpted flowers? I think they're sculpted flowers that come out and then the other one okay. is flat. Um, the interior, it too. looks like looking at all, it's so fun to read some of these descriptions and look at it and be like, oh, wow, it really does look that wild. Like there's stuff coming from everywhere. Um, there's a sprawling, fantastical castle with the rainbow mosaic tower. There is a devil that stands amid some of the shrubs and a rainbow wing genderless being with a sweet face and womanly hips and three gold penises. Um, Hell yeah, it was, dude. <laughs> it was under development for almost 30 years and cost $5 million to construct, which would be Makes a little sense. bit more than $13.5 million today. Um, there, uh, and she oh, funded that by selling her small people or her like by smaller selling sculptures? all she, she sold. And I'll do a little list at the end, but she made so much stuff. She was making, she was being commissioned to make these playgrounds. She was selling stuff. She was making mm -hmm. furniture. Like she was doing it to it to make money. And also, I think that Jean Harry gives her money like and I think her whole life like yeah you'll see I think that she also just has people that know her and love her and will help her well, and she's got her the ice cream brothers 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, they gave her the land. I don't know what else they gave her, but you're right. They said yes to everything. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that they continue to help outside of the land. But she also has her artist friends like Maria Bota built a fortress like protective wall um, around the entire outside of the garden to protect it from the rest of the world. Uh, there's a wow. gift shop now, a ticket office, a restroom within the park. There are fountains, courtyards, a multi-level tower. Um Sunfall designed a brochure with a map containing the garden and it's open seasonally. Um, wow. She continued That's to so be cool. afflicted by emphysema and asthma as well as severe arthritis. Uh, she would say, my hands start becoming deformed. I couldn't sculpt anymore. Jean cries when he looks at my hands. But oh, she, did not consi- she did not consider abandoning the garden. Despite these handicaps, she launched into exploring new, vi- new venues, new technology, and new art media. In 89, uh, Ricardo Menon, her former assistant, died of AIDS. His loss plunged her into a great depressant. She created a large mosaic sculpture of a cat, uh, Cot de Ricardo, to serve as his cemetery headstone in Paris. Um, she placed a second copy of the memorial in her tarot garden in Tuscany, where he'd worked closely with her for nearly a decade. In 1990, she created a uh, completed a skull meditation room that's 16 feet tall and lined the inside with mirrors to memorialize the AIDS crisis. She also used bronze for the first time in a series of Egyptian god and goddess sculptures. Wow. Um, in 91, she produced uh, the quote, the uh, Temple Ideal, the ideal temple, a place for worship, welcoming all religions in response to religious intolerance she saw while working in Jerusalem. Uh, And in 91, she, uh, Jean suddenly died of a heart attack in Switzerland. And um, his previous two years of declining health, the couple had separated, um, but remained very close. So they were always like together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even even though they had stopped being romantic for all that chunk, they still were together until the end of his life. In 94, she published a hand-illustrated book, My Secret, where she revealed her childhood history of sexual abuse. That same year, she moved to Paris, uh, from Paris to La Jolla, California, for health reasons. She set up a mm. new studio and produced sculptures were, which were covered with mirrored glass, polished stones, and, and stones instead of paint. And in her workspace, she started to explore novel technologies and design for creating artwork and she also became an active member of the san diego art scene participating in fundraisers and exhibitions there that's amazing san diego has some like pretty cool art stuff actually i'm into it uh and so in 94 she declared the collaborative effort a uh, lecyclop complete finally i love the idea that things are like 20 years old and she's like by the way it's done um (laughs) so she finishes up a bunch more artwork uh in let's see what year this is in 94 later in 94 she endured intensive care hospitalization for six months before dying of respiratory failure caused by emphysema at scripps memorial hospital in la jolla on may 21st 2002 the day before my birthday uh she was 71 her That's lungs impressive, right? Harry um, and their children were with her at the hospital when she passed away. Uh, her daughter said she had our little family reunited, um, and her her daughter described it as a circle of forgiveness. Um, she I feel re- good about that. Yeah, Gabriella. Yeah. Her last name is Gabriella Duke. 
uh, her daughter, Laura. So they tell her Gabriella Duke a lot, which just I kept using because I like the way it sounds. But she uh, at the time lived in Oakland and said of her mother's choices, there was no other way. It was a question mm-hmm. of survival. She couldn't put me in the picture. She thought for a moment and um and said, really, it's something I wish my brother would get. We were loved. The thing is with love, it's one thing to love and then it's another thing to know how to love. And maybe we take a lifetime to learn. Yeah. Yeah. That's a which really I think is like, yo, it. to be able to forgive your mom like that. And also I don't know a lot, but it seems like even from the granddaughter that the unit that they did keep was kind of joyful and just accepted her in her ins and outs, you know? Yeah. Um, which I'm sure wasn't well, easy, but describes where she came to be as an adult with it. And I think too, like, okay, your mom left when you're a kid. And then when your mom is 60, she publishes a memoir about her, like, childhood abuse and trauma and all this stuff and you realize like oh my mom didn't have a relationship with her parents in a way where yep. she would know how to love me right that absolutely and you can sort of start to forgive that a hundred percent i've gone through very similar things with uh my dad and being really hard on him and then being like wait what was his example yeah but yeah, yeah so it's a really good place to come to as an adult Um, so so Nikki would say about her life's work. I'm following a course that was chosen for me following a pressing need to show that a woman can work on a monumental scale. The tarot Mm -hmm. garden is not just my garden. It's a garden of all those who helped me make it. I am the architect of the garden. I impose my vision because I could not do otherwise. The garden was made with difficulties, wild enthusiasm, obsession, and most of all faith. Nothing could have stopped me. Um, Yeah, I yeah. So she's not perfect, but I fuck with her. Uh, Nikki envisioned an experimental society where you could quote have a new kind of life just to be free. There are people that have called it a healing place. They said I used to have panic attacks and nobody really knew what to do with them. Um, this is a uh, a girl who was thirteen when Saint Paul arrived in to, in Tuscany to start working on it. Uh, her garden was a place where I wouldn't have them. So I would go there very often and sit at her table Aww. inside the Sphinx and doodle. I found in Nikki a place where I could really be myself. Um, there's Aww. another guy who uh, loved photography and she gave him a camera, uh, but then she took it back. And But he still fought, like gives her credit for inspiring him to take pictures the rest of his life. And then later when she was old, she came and found him and begged him for the negatives of some of the photos he took of the garden when it was being built because she wanted to see them and like cried when she saw them. Mm. Um, so there were a few works that were completed posthumously per Nikki's instructions. Um, a magic, a queen Khalifa's magical circle, a sundrance garden sculpture. That's 120 feet in diameter. Um, there's a 400 foot wall topped with large Python snakes. And, uh, that includes a maze and 10 large sculptures she designed. So there were some things that she left such specific things for that they were able to finish them after she passed away. But throughout, uh, her career she was outspoken about religious conflict political pandemic health race gender reproductive rights food food security climate change and cultural issues of all kinds um there were 
unapologetic blast of second wave feminism from the tourist series uh, to the loving curves of the Nanas. And she's a force. She was a force to be reckoned with until her last breath and beyond. Um, I love that. So let me make sure that I didn't do any of those. She designed a Swiss stamp in 98. She created a series of black heroes to honor um, African-Americans that included Miles Davis, Louis Armstrong, and Josephine Baker that she dedicated to her great-grandchildren who are of mixed race. Um, Aww. She got what is basically like the Nobel Prize of Art in Japan, I think it was at one point. Um, her perfume is named after herself, which I love. And then I wanted to end with this, um, just because I feel like it speaks so well to her presence as a person. One day she was spotted by another woman walking down 57th street, purseless in a cowboy getup. The woman recalled (laughs) thinking, the woman recalled thinking, this is the first free woman I've ever seen in real life. I want to be just like her. That woman- (laughs) That woman was Gloria Steinem. And that... I'm not crying, you're crying. ...is the story of Nikki de saint Wow. Yay. Yay. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Katrina. Thank you both so much. I feel like I learned so much. I love learning about her. She's such an interesting human. And I think that you know, her courage is really inspiring. So I'm so glad that we got to learn about her today. Yay. Agreed. And I feel like everything that we kind of covered today is like, I really appreciate where she ended up as an artist. You know what I mean? Even with her own possible anger and healing and sharing and the fact that at least one of her kids got to a good place with her. It's just like, it's uh, a great place to be with, imperfection you know what i mean with like kind of the things that we try to hide about artists a lot um and i do feel like i would do a similar thing with a male artist and have a bunch of positive twists on stuff and then jordan would have to yell that's not what that is that person wrote that from a totally bullshit angle you know what i mean but i feel (laughs) like with her everything was just out there and we were able to interpret her as like a full complete person so thank you all so yeah. much for listening uh if you Aww. liked this two-part uh episode on nikki uh first off i ho- i probably should have done this at the beginning but this was the second half so hopefully you listened to the first half already but um <laughs> if you liked hearing about nikki and want to hear about other amazing artists and hear jordan have rants about different periods of time that i know barely anything about lots of empires anytime she says ottoman i normally get really confused um <laughs> You can follow us at Pavangard, P-O-D-V-A-N-T-E-G-A-R-D. Oh, wait, did I say the E? P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E um, on Instagram and Twitter and RSS feeds and Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts and uh in the description of this episode there will also be a link to our patreon which you should totally subscribe to so that we can continue to make episodes and maybe even make more than one a month so that we can pay our editor uh and if you want to follow me as an individual um my name is katrina i did most of the talking uh (laughs) you can follow me at katrina savad which is just davis backwards on everything that people follow things on 
And I will say the next uh, Patreon exclusive episode is going to be about artist beef. So I'm really excited about <gasps> oh, that yeah, one. I forgot about beef, that. Beef, beef. I just had a post it so after deep. that that just had me burn book written down, <laughs> scribbled. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? Okay, keep going. <laughs> artist beef, baby. Uh, yeah, so check that out at patreon.com slash pavangard. Um, if you like me as an individual human person, you can check me out on Instagram mostly at Andrea Gazetta. Um, I also have a website, andreagazetta.com. I have like art for sale, prints. If you want me to make you art, hit me up. Um, my commissions are closed right now, but I should be opening them next year again. And if you want to send us an actual physical cool thing, uh, like books or weird vagina sculptures you've made, you can send them to us at 1001 Fremont Avenue, P.O. Box number 366, South Pasadena, California, 91030. So go ahead and do that, baby. Excellent. Uh, I am Jordan Lee Williams. And you can follow me on Instagram and see mine and Keith's weird, uh, you know, interstate adventures to punk shows across the country uh, at The Goonie Bird. And all of my uh, art stuff is Goonie Bird Crafts. Thank you and good night. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. Yay. Bye. We love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is just that it can become something that you know, we're not looking to get rich. I don't think that's ever been our goal. I don't think we ever think that could be our goal. But what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show. My experience uh, with Cult Podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys <laughs>